0: Hey everyone, welcome back to the Monclova Baptist Church Podcast. We're thankful that you joined us today. Hey, if you would do us a favor at the end of this episode, make sure that you follow us on our social, Instagram and Facebook, and subscribe to our YouTube channel and hit that bell button so that you get notified every time that we post new content. If you also want to stay connected with us beyond Sunday morning, make sure that you download the MRBC app on the Google Play Store or the App Store. Now let's dive in.
1: Well, praise the Lord. Thank you for that singing today. I hope that it was an encouragement to you. I'm going to spend a few moments today and uh, talk about our trip to to Poland and um, show you some pictures in a short video. One of the young ladies that uh, we were able to minister to. We went and visited two of our missionaries, Seth and Dina Heidinger. If you'd uh, pray for them, she is going to have their third child in just a a few more months. And, um, I know they could use our prayers and we're so thankful for what they're doing there in Poland. Seth has been there 12 years. I believe they've been married five and a half years. Dina was a, um, missionary, uh, in Ukraine. Uh, she is Ukrainian. Her family is from Ukraine and still lives in Ukraine. Uh, her parents, and some of her family is still uh, in, in Ukraine, and so we need to pray for them as well. And she has been such a blessing. Many of the refugees that are coming over to Poland uh, speak uh, Russian, and so obviously that is her, her, uh, her mother tongue, her native tongue, and she speaks it very well, and so she's able to minister uh, to a lot of people that are coming over, especially a lot of the younger ladies uh, that are there mean, you know, when we think of these refugees, I've been to a lot of countries. I've been on many different missions trips. And the majority of the missions trips that I've been to are third world countries. And you see the poverty and you see uh, just the great need. And these, um, these folks that are refugees, that they're not coming from a third world country. The Ukraine is, um, is far from a third world country. These, um, these folks, they've lost everything. Their homes their jobs, um, loved ones. Um, just, it's just devastating, just devastating the things that we heard, the stories that we heard and the things that we saw, we were able to go. And, um, with much help from our church here, we were able to bring supplies. We were able to bring money and, um, give it directly to the, these refugees that we were, um, visiting. I want to show you if you, um, if you have those, the, the pictures, um, that I had. There's several here. Um, if you can see those, these blue tarps, just that's where there's living. These, these tarps, um, as, as high as they can get. And i um, just probably a 12 by 12 area, maybe a little bit bigger than that, not much bigger, but an entire family. Now, when, when we say an entire family, I want you to remember if you're 18 to 60, and you're a male, they will not let you leave the Ukraine. You have to stay in the Ukraine. You have to fight um, if they need you. And so they're not letting any, any men out. So the majority of the, what is coming across the borders um, into Poland specifically was 2.4 million refugees have crossed uh, the borders. Uh, they're women and children and grandmothers that are, that are fleeing their family, their husbands and dads have um, put them on buses and trains to get them out of these areas that are fighting. Some of them have no idea if they're going to be able to go home. Some of them have no idea if their home is even, even there. There was a lady that was here. She said a year ago, they bought their first home. And um, she says, if it's even there, we don't even know. But their city, her city was bombed and and um, just brutally, brutally attacked. And their concern is we still have to pay for this home. We borrowed money to buy this home. And so it's not like, well, you just go get another home someplace. All of the, the financial devastation that comes with all of this, that these people are bearing, um, is just, just remarkable. And you'll see we were, we would just go from, from, Tarp to tarp. And um, in the middle, top picture here, you'll see the beds. Um, They were able to put the beds down, Seth and Dina, where they're at, at Word of Life. They made these makeshift areas. There was a company, I believe it was, in Poland that donated a bunch of these beds. um, uh, Their entire family, though, just living right there in that place. On the bottom here, many of the girls, these girls are probably uh, 18 to 23, 24 was her age, um, that you see in that picture there. And, uh, again, they've left their families. And, um, one of the girls, um, we'll see in just a minute. Was there any other photos or no, let's, let's, um, I want you, I want to show you a video. This is a young girl and it's, it's difficult to hear. She's got a, a very strong, um, accent and her English is not great. She's going to give us a testimony. Um, She's only been married for two and a half years, and um, her husband is still back in the Ukraine. And so let's watch this video.
2: I have a testimony. I want to hear it. Okay, I have it recording. Before the war, um, I uh, knew that I am pregnant. I and husband uh, uh, were playing in this uh, moment in our life, and uh, I'm was very happy about this, but um, uh, before uh, three days of, of starting work, I uh, knew that my that, uh, it is miscarriage. Yeah, yeah, uh, miscarriage. I know this word, <laughs> uh, and uh, I don't didn't um, didn't understand why that taken take. Uh, take, uh, give and, give and take. they take. take yeah and uh, then when war uh, was uh, started i understand because i uh, don't don't imagine how i uh, should be in this situation in war and pregnant uh, it's it's tr- many stress, uh, many n- nervous, like uh, man, many nervous, and uh, I think it's uh, blessings for us now. Mm-hmm. That God uh, take <laughs> this uh, pregnant for us. How long do you think you'll be away from your husband? Oh, two years. Two years? Uh, no, no, two years and uh, half. Half year. Okay. Um, okay. You've been married how long? Two and a half years. Okay, two and a half years. When do you think you'll see your husband again? Uh, After two months here, Uh, maybe I maybe I will go in Ukrainian after months for two days and then go back uh, Mm here. I'm very missing (laughs) you. Yeah.
1: She said, I've, I very miss him. And then obviously got emotional. She hasn't seen her husband. And um, if you couldn't understand, she found out she was pregnant. And three days before the war started, um, she found out that she lost the baby. And um, now she's here to grieve by herself without her, her husband. He's back fighting the war and she's by herself now. And she said that she just, the Lord doesn't understand why the Lord gives and then takes away, and um, that's just a short a short video. But all the things that we go through in life, and all of the hurt and heartache we go through in life, the people in the Ukraine are going through the same thing, and there's a war on top of it that's dividing their families, and um, their their faith. The Ukrainian, the Christians, their faith is what has really challenged me since I was there. In Poland, they say the average um, the average church in Poland, the average evangelical church in Poland is about 20 to 30 people or so. Um, a big church would be 40 or so people. Only 0.02% of 38 or 39 million people in Poland are Uh, claim to be evangelical Christians or born again Christians. That's less than 10,000 people in an entire country. Unfortunately, Poland, like the rest of Europe has become a very cold um, country to the gospel. When communism fell and um, materialism and all of those wonderful things that we love stuff, um, the gospel becomes even more cold. And what was so interesting, the church that we went to on Sunday, I I preached at a church. And if I would have been there before the war started, I would have preached to a very small handful of of Polish uh, uh, people that um, they're really just discouraged and not much happening because their country and their countrymen are so cold to the gospel. But on the day that we were there, it was alive. I mean, it was it was standing room only. There were people coming through the doors that you that couldn't find a seat. There was a a hallway uh, off to the side that that we couldn't get into a picture of people just standing in the hallway. There, it was. I mean, it was just full. And in the in the Ukraine is the total opposite that's happening in the rest of Europe. There was a lot, great revival in and, and a lot of people being saved in the Ukraine. The What you hear about it in Poland is the opposite with Christianity. There are missionaries that are being sent out of, of Poland. Dina. Um, was saved, was a missionary there in Poland, and met Seth. And now she's in Poland, in Ukraine. Now she's in Poland, uh, ministering. And there's there's seminaries, there's there's there schools. Um, there is there's a lot of things happening, and so the churches in the Ukraine aren't aren't dead and dying like many of the ones in Poland are. And now all of these refugees are coming from the Ukraine into Poland and they're flooding the churches now all of a sudden these once dead churches in Poland they don't know what to do with everybody there's people everywhere and what what was so what was so moving is here here are these people that have lost so much and they have no idea what tomorrow is going to bring and what the next month is going to bring. They have no idea if they're going to be reunited with their family that is there back fighting in the war. They're only getting um, um, bad news coming from their cities. They don't understand all of this, but their faith is so strong. There are these four Ukrainian ladies that got up and um, sang a special and I don't know what they were singing. I couldn't understand the the words, but I just sat there and I thought to myself, how in the world can you get up and sing to the Lord going through everything you're going through? And there's been times in my life, I've wanted to quit over such, compared to what they're dealing with, (laughs) such small things. And there they are singing, and worshiping the Lord and attending church and their faith is strong. Like, like this young girl, she has a miscarriage and she's just trusting the Lord and her faith is in the Lord and she doesn't understand why the Lord would give and then take away, but she she's just trusting the Lord and, and staying encouraged in her faith, in the faith of so many were just, it um, was just remarkable. I, j- I just saw such joy. I was encouraged by the churches. Um, we visited a church about um, about two hours south of Warsaw, the main capital, and this church, they were telling us the history of this church. Um, during communism, They um, the church established and they built a barn, um, a barn. And the church would meet inside of this barn because the, the government, the communist government, didn't never thought that um, a church would build a barn and meet inside of a barn. So they never checked inside of this barn to see if um, a church was meeting. And in that, we saw these pictures, uh, that they took these black and white pictures that they actually had on the walls in this church. And there were there was just, it was a huge number of people that were a part of this church. And over the years, the church just started dwindling and started dying. And just two years ago, the church—the building was there, but the building now is falling apart. And they've put an exterior on the on the building now, so it looks like a church building. And this this uh, pastor said that it was before he came, the church was closed up. There was only three elderly ladies on the church rolls. That was all that was left. And they weren't even meeting because they didn't have a pastor. And this, through his the, the his leadership and and also much of this this uh, war and the refugees that are coming, it's almost given these churches a new and the Polish Christians uh, a, a, a purpose to life to minister, and they've taken this church and they've remodeled. Um, because of giving um, from churches like ours. Other churches are helping and giving and they've remodeled uh, bathrooms and they've put showers in and they've got three or four different rooms where they've got uh, beds now that are in and they've, they're allowing refugees now to come and stay in their church and supplying everything they can and feeding the refugees. And um, just, just remarkable. And here is a church that was, Three people were on the rolls that weren't even attending church. The church itself was just closed up from falling apart. And now um, uh, on an average Sunday, they've got 40 to 50 people that come and gather every Sunday and um, are meeting. And you can just see in his his spirit, and you can you can sense in as he's talking about the future, he's so excited about what God's doing in the church. Across the street from the church, there is a place that's called Acid Park. And their town of only 7,500 or so people um, is known as the town where everyone else around comes to, to, to get drugs. And he said, there's a park across the street. And he says, it's really unfortunate all the young people are hanging out at that park. And he says, everyone knows what you're doing when you go to this park. You're going there to buy drugs and he began to share with us a vision for his church and he showed us his property and they're putting um, volleyball, uh, sand volleyball courts and he's gonna put basketball courts and he's gonna start a youth um, ministry. And and um, he was just sharing all of this vision of what he's, what he's in the middle of doing and what he really believes the Lord wants their church to do. And I could see this passion in him, he says, I want it to be in our city where the teens don't go to acid park to hang out anymore, but they come to this church and they hang out at this church and they're not buying drugs anymore and drinking anymore, but they have Jesus and they're serving the Lord and they're being challenged. And boy, as he, as he was telling us, you could just see this passion. I truly believe God's going to do it. I believe God's going to do it. And it's going to take much Prayer and much work and much giving. But um, I'm excited for this pastor and his wife and they're just living. They, they, um, obviously, when he went to the church, there's nobody to pay him. There's, there's uh, a lot of work to do. And so he and his family, he and his wife, we met his wife and his um, teenage boy. They, um, they just live right at the church, live right in the, in the back of the church. There's a couple of rooms they converted and they're just living there ministering to people, opening it up, letting others come, and God is doing a great work. Just a few years ago, these churches were just dead, dying. And now you're seeing life again. And um, obviously we we don't want war and we don't want suffering, but I was so challenged through this because even through war and even through suffering, the gospel of Jesus Christ still works. People are still being saved. People are still being helped. And their faith is still strong. And no matter where you're at in life, Jesus Christ is still worth living for. In the things of this world, they're going to pass away. But what's going to truly remain is what we're doing for Jesus Christ. So I want us to go to the book of Philippians. I want you to go to the book of Philippians And I want, to, um, I want to look at this, a church that cares. A church that cares. I've been in the book of Philippians often um, over the last long period of time. It's been a, a great inspiration and a great resource for me. I love this book because I love where Paul is at when he's writing this book. And and I think that sometimes when we study, we really truly need to study the historical content of the book, the context of it, who he's writing to, who the author is, and really what's going on in life. Because Paul is not writing this book to the Philippians just after he got saved and he's really excited about um, starting churches. Paul is writing to this church, this, this specific epistle. He's writing while he's in great suffering. The Apostle Paul is in Rome. He's under house arrest, and the Apostle Paul is going to die for preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. His liberty is all taken away. His freedom is gone. <laughs> Paul has also experienced the storm that we've read of in the book of Acts called Eurocladon. This storm where Paul thought he was going to die. How many of you have ever been on a boat and the waves kind of got a little bit high and rocky, a little bit of bad weather came in? Anybody been on a boat like that and you thought to yourself, this is horrible. I'm never going to get on a boat again. I, I've been on that. I've told you the story before. I won't tell the story again. But um, I, I... Drank way too many Yoo-Hoo's, that's, that's fake chocolate milk, and um, there's a lot of fish out in the Atlantic, chumming on a lot of yuhu hoo right now, I probably still, all these years later. It was the most miserable, miserable. We were 20 or so miles off coast, and I remember thinking, if I jump, do you think I can make it in? And I can't swim, and I knew I couldn't swim but it was so bad that me knowing I couldn't swim and jumping out of that boat sounded like a better idea than staying on that boat. If you've ever been on a boat like that, you know exactly what I'm talking about. It's awful. Just multiply that experience times the worst number you could possibly multiply by, and that's where Paul's at. Euroklodon hits the boat, hits this, and the boat is totally torn apart. The 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 soldiers on the board on the boat are gonna kill all of the prisoners. So Paul is going to die. But Paul is saved and then Paul, they, they shipwreck on an island and Paul is then bitten by a snake on this island. These, these people on this island are not friendly people, but Paul then has to stay on this island for three months and not in a nice hotel, not in a, a luxury resort, but Paul is staying as a prisoner on this island till the weather passes and they can figure out how they're going to get off of this island and get back to Rome where they're trying to get to. But in that time, the Apostle Paul is able to preach the gospel, and the leader of that island's father is healed and is saved. And Paul starts, and a great revival takes place. And many people on that island come to know Jesus Christ as their Savior. And so often we look at the highlights, and we should look at the highlights, but just imagine all the suffering that the Apostle Paul is going through. And for what? For just preaching the gospel, for just living as a Christian. But the Apostle Paul is willing to continue to live this way and endure these things because Jesus Christ is worth living for. And so Paul is in great suffering as he's writing this book. He's writing to these, the Philippian churches. He writes this epistle while he's at Rome under bondage, under, in suffering, after this great stormy Arachlodon in his life is going to be taken from him. His liberty has gone. His freedom has gone. Rome is occupying the world, and Rome can do whatever they want to do. And if the emperor of Rome wants to take Paul's life, he can. The emperor of Rome can take anybody's life they can. Remember, not too long ago, they took the life of Christ, or so they thought they took the life of Christ, but they crucified Christ on the cross. They were brutal. They were horrible. They would come in and occupy a land and just brutally beat and kill the people at their whim. And so the things that we see in war today, really, they're no different than what really because of mankind's wicked heart. Mankind is evil and war is awful. And this is the time that Paul, the Apostle Paul, is living in and is writing this book to the Philippian churches. Yet Paul writes such an encouraging and inspiring epistle. He doesn't complain about where he's at. Paul doesn't say, woe is me, and, and this is such a heartache, and I can't believe the way I've been treated. And can you believe someone talked to me this way? Can you believe they've done this to me? Can you? Bl- he never, ever looks to himself like he's the victim. How many of you have been in a situation where you you just, whether you were or not, you pretended, and it felt really good to be the victim? Anybody like that? We, we have these pity parties. How many of you have ever had a pity party for yourself? When either you're waking or you're you're sleeping or you're lying to me right now. I mean, have you ever had a pity party for yourself? Yeah, all of us have. Woe is me. Look how bad I have it. Not the Apostle Paul. The Apostle Paul is in horrible straits, but he writes such an encouraging book. He speaks about joy in the Lord. And as I was there in Poland and I was listening to these testimonies of these young, young women and these others, there was one of the ladies that I was going from, from tent to tent and just giving them, giving them money. We converted money into the Polish currency and, and we were just giving them money. And one of the ladies said, Oh no, no, we can't do that. We're just trusting the Lord. And I said, here, he sent me here, here, trust this here too. And, and we're going to trust the Lord and go buy some food. They're just, their spirit and their, their hearts that I saw was encouraging and challenging to me. I'm hoping on the way over that I'd have an empty seat so I don't have to sit next to someone on the long flight overseas. And they're living in a condition where <laughs> their wall to their neighbor is a blue tarp. And I'm convicted how selfish at times I am. And then I read the Apostle Paul in the book of Philippians, and I'm convicted even more how selfish at times I really am. And really as selfish at times we as Christians really are. And sometimes having things so good and having all the things that we could ever want in life I'm afraid it's weakened the church. It's weakened our faith. It's got our eyes off of Christ. It's put our eyes on ourself. And now everything has to be the way that we want things to be in order for things to be good. But my friend, if we have Jesus Christ and nothing else, we have it good. And we need to realize that. And Paul is writing to this very missions-minded church, one that is concerned with making investments in eternity for God's kingdom's sake. And I want to give you three things. I know what time it is. I wanted to spend a lot of time just introducing this, this message with our trip and just kind of where my heart's at as I view the Apostle Paul but I want us to be challenged today on what gave Paul joy. How many, how many of you want joy today? How many of you are tired of being discouraged and down? You want joy. I mean, true joy. I do. I don't want to live life just to get through life. I want to have joy. And we as believers can find joy, but only if we find it through Jesus Christ through godliness and so look with me if you would please we can't obviously read the entire book of Philippians this morning but I would challenge you to read it at some point this week just go through it would not take you long at all you could do it in one setting just read through and read through multiple times the book of Philippians and try to find joy in the Lord this week But let me bring your attention to verse number 18, chapter one, verse number 18. The Bible says this, what then? He's asking this question, notwithstanding, and Paul is in bonds. He's letting them know that he's in bonds and they know that he's in jail. And we'll know this later in just a few moments, how they know as well and how they know his condition. But the apostle Paul says this, notwithstanding every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is preached and therein do I rejoice yea and will rejoice now to start this off this morning I want you to understand and just simply write this down the things that gave Paul great joy was number 1 even though he was in a horrible situation Paul found great joy where the gospel of Jesus Christ is still being preached because that was the foundation of everything that Paul was involved in, what Paul believed in. Some may say this, boy, we sure do preach about the gospel a lot. We're already saved. What, what, why do we keep preaching on the gospel? Because the gospel is the foundation of everything we believe. And we have to have a desire to give the gospel, and that ought to give us great joy. A church, a healthy church, is a church that takes great joy in giving the gospel and seeing the gospel preached. A healthy Christian is a a Christian that is giving the gospel out. A Christian that is right with God is a Christian that gives the gospel to the lost. Some will say this, well, that's just for those that have the gift of evangelism. That's not in the Bible. And if you're believing that, you're believing a lie. And if you're believing that, you're just using that as a scapegoat for you not to have the courage to share the gospel. But a healthy Christian shares the gospel. And what gives Paul great joy is to know that the gospel is being preached. This was their mission. This was the church at Philippi. They are at the crossroads of a a Roman church. Um, capital uh, uh, of of a trade route and and everything sinful and everything wrong that you would find in the roman world you would find in philippi yet there's a church there that paul had established that paul had started and now he is encouraging them and it's a missions-minded church and what matters to this church is that the gospel of jesus christ is being preached this is what matters most listen hear me please church the thing that matters the most at our church is is the gospel of jesus christ being preached is it going out this must be the central theme of any church this must be the reason why the church exists this must be the reason why the church does what it does this is the purpose of the church to preach the gospel the greatest need in every community, please, please get this. The greatest need in every community is that people need the gospel message. The greatest need is that people need the gospel message and the church should be the most active in the community meeting their greatest needs. And That's the gospel. No matter Paul's condition, he finds joy in knowing the gospel is being preached. And I want to ask you this question because church, I never want us to get to the place where there's just three people left on the rolls and there's a building sitting here and all the great years are behind us and now Montclover Road Baptist Church sits dead. And you say, well, that would never happen. Look around. I would say to you, it happens all the time. Look around. There's churches closing all the time. Look at Europe, where great revivals once took place, where, where, where evangelists would come through and cities would repent and trust Christ as their Savior. Think of all the things that we've read about that, that has happened, great revivals taking place. Don't think that it can never happen. And that's why we have to keep the gospel of Jesus Christ in preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ, the main thing. Are you sharing the gospel? Are you sharing the gospel? What do you do with your time? And your answer to that is going to show where your heart is. Because you're going to do what your heart most wants to do. Paul is showing us where his heart is. His heart is that the world would receive the gospel. That's why Paul, in his condition, in a Roman cell, and in, in after coming through a horrible uh, shipwreck, um, knowing that his life is going to be taken and, and his freedom is gone, Paul can find great joy because Paul's joy is not found in things of this world, but Paul's joy is found in what's important in his heart and what was important is the gospel of Jesus Christ. What's important to us? Secondly, I want you to see this. Number one, the gospel is preached and that gave Paul great joy. Number two, would you see this with me, look with me in verse number 25 of chapter two. Yet I suppose it necessary to send to you Epaphroditus, my brother and companion in labor and fellow soldier, but your messenger and he that ministered to my wants. He says, but your messenger and he that ministered to my wants. Who is Epaphroditus? Epaphroditus was a member of the church at Philippi that the church at Philippi sent to Rome where Paul was to minister to Rome. That's how, that's who Epaphroditus Epaphroditus is. If we were to read through the next several um, verses, you find that Epaphroditus got sick there in Rome, and that church at Philippi was very concerned for him. He got better, and he came back. Look with me in verse number 30, if you would. Because for the work of Christ, he was nigh unto death, not regarding his life, to supply your lack of service toward me. Now, Paul is not saying because you didn't do it, um, uh, he had to come, what Paul is saying is I'm in Rome, you're in Philippi you can't help me, so what you did was you sent Epaphroditus with all the things necessary from your church to minister to my needs here in Rome this is exactly what we do when we go on a trip like we did to Poland it's a church that personally ministers to its missionaries here's a church that sent Epaphroditus to go visit the Apostle Paul and minister to the Apostle Paul, and this brought great joy to the Apostle Paul and it brought great joy to the church. Look with me, if you would, please, in uh, verse number twenty-eight. I send him therefore the the more carefully that when ye see him again, ye may what ye may rejoice that I may uh, uh, be the less sorrowful. Receive him therefore in the Lord with all what with all gladness and hold such a reputation. Paul is saying, I can't wait for you to hear what he's going to tell you, the report of what God's doing here in Rome. He's not gonna come back and say, oh, woe is Paul, he's in jail. He's gonna come back and say, this is what God is doing. He's gonna deliver a letter back to the church here at Philippi. He's going to encourage them and rejoice with them. And Paul says, this gives me great joy that you would personally invest in coming and ministering to me. Someone might say, why would we take the time? Why would we take the effort? Why would we take the money to go and invest in a missionary across the world? Because it encourages them to continue to preach the gospel. And a church understands that. A healthy church understands that we can send money, but but we can also send people to encourage people and strengthen people. The Philippian church sent Epaphroditus to minister to the Apostle Paul as he was there in Rome. In verse number 25, he ministers or he encourages the Apostle Paul at his needs. In verse number two we find or verse number 26, we find that this was a great sacrifice. This isn't something that they did and it was a, a luxury trip. This is a great sacrifice. While Epaphroditus is in Rome, he gets sick, he thinks he's going to die and they're concerned and the people back home here how sick he is he's not coming back and all the church was mourning because epaphroditus was ministering to paul and got sick unto death while he was ministering to paul and i would say to you this in order to minister around this world the gospel must be important and we have to be willing to invest everything in order to do this i believe this church we need to get to a point where we're holding on to nothing in this world but we're serving jesus christ with everything We're holding on to too many things. Too many things that are going to burn and can be gone tomorrow are pulling at our hearts. Yet the things of heaven that are going to last for all of eternity aren't in our focus, and we've got to come to the place what matters in heaven matters to us. And that's what we're living for. And we're willing to sacrifice. And we're willing to go and we're willing to give at any cost so that the lost can hear the gospel of Jesus Christ and so that people can be saved and heaven can rejoice because the lost hear Christ's message of the gospel. And so he sacrificed. And then in verse number 30, it tells us, I already read this, he came and he represented the church in their absence. Do you realize this, church? When I went from tent to tent, you were there with me. When someone said to me, why are you doing this? Someone even asked, "Why? Why are you coming to Poland? Why are you working? Why are you here?" And I told him, "Because there is a church in Monclova, Ohio, that cares about the gospel and that cares about you, and I was just simply a minister on your behalf." to share the precious love of Jesus Christ with people that were discouraged or people that needed to hear the gospel, what I'm simply saying to you is this. Paul got great joy when the church personally invested in the lives of their missionaries. And let me just give you this and I'm done. My time is over. Look with me, if you would please, in chapter number 4. In verse number 10, Paul said this, but I rejoiced. We see Paul rejoicing again. He says, I rejoiced in the Lord greatly that now at the last your care of me hath flourished again, wherein you were also careful, but you lacked opportunity. Paul says, I'm I'm encouraged again. I rejoice again because you're caring about me again. Paul, Paul goes on to say in verse number 15, now you Philippians know also that in the beginning of the gospel, When I departed from Macedonia, no church communicated, or no church gave to me concerning a gift, an offering, but you only. For even in Thessalonica, you sent once and again unto my necessity. He says, when I left here, no other church gave financially, but you did, you cared. And then when I was in Thessalonica and you heard that I had need, you cared, you gave. But he also says this, But I have all, in verse 18, and abound, I'm full, having received of Epaphroditus the things which were sent from you. Paul says, and now I'm in Rome, and I don't have a need. I have nothing. I I need nothing because you cared so much for the gospel ministry and those that are called to preach it. I'm in a jail cell at Rome. I've I've endured heartache. I'm enduring suffering. My life is gonna be taken from me. I've just simply preached the gospel, but I don't need a thing because you cared so much, church. There was a heart of giving. We have to care about God's people, And, and, and Paul had great joy because this church financially gave so that the work of the Lord can continue to go forward. This church gave Paul so that the mission of the church could continue in the gospel. They gave They gave and they gave. It wasn't just a one-time thing. Paul said you gave when no one else gave. Then you gave when I was in Thessalonica. Now you're given to me through Epaphroditus. Now that I'm in Rome, you're just continually caring about missions. You're continually caring about the gospel going forth. A missions-giving church. It touches heaven. Look with me in verse number 18. But I have all and I abound, I'm full, having received of Epaphroditus the things which were sent from you. And don't miss this part. An odor of sweet smell, a sacrifice acceptable, well-pleasing to Paul. That's what your Bible says? What's it say? To God. A church that's involved in giving to missions Touches heaven. God recognizes it. How many of you want to be known in heaven? I do. I've met famous people here on this earth. And if you were to go ask them, I was joking around with, there was a group of pastors there was about 40 pastors on a zoom call and we were going to try to get some more pastors We were going to call it a friend day. And I said, they said, well, let's give a gift. If you bring so many pastors. And I had a picture of me and Donald Trump. I said, I will give you a personally signed copy of a, of a picture of me and Donald Trump. If you, if you, whoever brings the most pastors on the zoom call. And they said, signed by who I said, signed, signed by me. <laughs> Don, Donald Trump, if you show him this picture, you'd be like, I don't know who that guy is signed by me. Took a picture and he, he doesn't even remember. But we can be known in heaven. The God of this universe that created this universe the God that spoke into existence this universe, the God that formed man out of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, the God that knows the number of hairs on your head, the God that cares, the God that carries your burden, the God that sent his son, Jesus Christ, so that mankind could be redeemed back to him, that God, I care, and I want to be known in his presence. And Paul said, your offering, it made it all the way to heaven, it was sweet smelling to God. Church, we ought to be a church that cares what God thinks. I don't want to meet on a Sunday and God not be here. I don't want teachers to teach and people to sing and to get up and to preach. And I I don't want to come to this place and serve. I don't want anybody to do a thing if God isn't here. The gospel is the most important thing. We need to care about our missionaries and personally invest in their lives. and We ought to be financially giving so they can continue to get the gospel message because there's people on the other side of this world, faces that you've seen here on the screen today, a voice of a young lady you heard that needs our church to be faithful to our cause. And that's the gospel ministry.
0: You just finished listening to a message from the preaching ministry at Monclova Road Baptist Church. If it was a help to you, make sure that you let somebody know about it. If you need help beyond this message, make sure that you follow us on Instagram or Facebook or check out our website, monclovabaptist.org. And we would love to connect with you there and help you with anything that you might need. Have a great week and we'll see you next time on the Monclova Baptist Church Podcast.